Welcome to another episode of The Agile Speaker, where I am talking to Marianne Johnston about the science behind the art of speaking. This is the final episode of our five-part series, and we're finishing the way a lot of good presentations do, with the dreaded Q&A. Whether it's a staff meeting, an investor pitch, or an hour-long keynote, we often have to finish a talk by fielding questions from the audience. It's the most nerve-wracking part for many of us, probably because it's the section that feels the most outside of our control. So I started by asking Marianne, is there much we can do here to fight that fear? Absolutely. There's, there's a lot that you can do to feel like you can take it back within your own control. I see the Q&A as being an opportunity, not just a reaction to a presentation or a pitch. It's a chance to be able to put across more of your message, more of your credibility through that part. So it is, it's really important to plan. But I think that often people focus so much on the pitch that they just think they'll just wing it on the Q&A. And either they say, well, you know, that bit's okay because I know my stuff. But that can actually be quite a dangerous line of thinking because even though you do know all your stuff, that might lead to you over-answering or turning off onto irrelevant parts of the question and and all sorts of... There's a lot of booby traps in the Q&A. But when I, so, so it is important to plan, but when I say plan, I don't mean planning necessarily the questions you're going to get asked. I mean that you can plan the questions you want to be asked. So you can look at this from a different perspective of thinking about some quite cunning tactics in how you build up your pitch and thinking, how if I tell them not what I'm not going to quite tell them, if I just mention something, then they'll probably ask me about it. So it's teasing the questions you want. So for an investor pitch, it may be that you mention something about competition, and then it's highly likely that your panel will ask you for more detail on that. And that's not come across as unprepared by not giving all the detail. That That's okay to do it that way. Well, yes, because ultimately, if you have, for example, a three-minute pitch followed by ten, seven minutes of Q&A, it's a 10-minute pitch. You can't possibly expect to fit in everything within that three minutes. But by mentioning certain things, but not going into the detail, then it's likely you prompt that question. How do you go about that then? How how do you perform the, the Jedi mind trick of making somebody ask the question you want them to? <laughs> Well, it is literally through teasing, through mentioning it, but not going into the detail. But we, uh, a couple of years ago, I worked with a a client, a really super guy called Callum Murray from Amicus, and he was pitching at EIE 17. So he was doing an extended pitch, six minute pitch with four minutes of Q&A from a panel in front of, I think, 700 people that year. And we worked really carefully on crafting his pitch so that it absolutely stimulated certain questions that he wanted more airtime on in the Q&A. And for example, he mentioned what their product was, but he did not go into detail. He didn't show a demo. He mentioned the competition in literally one sentence, but he did not go into detail. I had a, I have a whole ream of questions that I have anyway that I fire at my clients when I do Q&A practice because my aim is to make sure they are being agile in how they handle it because you cannot possibly plan exactly the question you're going to get. 
But at least if you can go around certain areas and get them practiced in getting the message across and giving it an example, then that's great. Yeah. But on the day in front of those 700 people, he uh, each question that he got in the Q&A were four questions that we'd hoped he would get. And I remember the, the, the twinkle in his eye as those questions <laughs> came up. And it was really like Q&A perfection, watching yeah. him take the questions, answer them, and then send them back to get another, uh, to get another question. Yeah. It, was, it was super. And he won Pitch of the Day that year as well. This made me wonder about credibility. When I'm watching a speaker, I sometimes find if they're too good or too polished, it actually puts me off just a little. I think it happens when people are word perfect, like they're reading from a script in their head and you can tell they've rehearsed it a lot. It's the slickness of that approach. It just pings my salesman radar and switches me off. But then you see a really great speaker, you know, someone who really knows their stuff, but they can still talk about it in a much more conversational way. They're in control, but they're not saying exactly what they said last time they did this talk. They're adding personality and talking like a real person. It's that approach, not the heavily scripted one, that really attracts me. And for me, gives someone real credibility. So, it made me wonder, is that one of the big opportunities with Q&A? Is Q&A the time to be more flexible? to rehearse those answers, but more broadly, so you sound knowledgeable, but in a more conversational way. You know, that's a, a good tactic to use if that works for the content, because of course, with all those short pitch situations, you are so constrained by the amount of time that you have. And and I think it's great to be able to bring something in into the Q&A. It might be a new example. It might be a new um some new information that you haven't been able to fit in something about your team or something and that can have a great effect on on the uh, audience yeah so do you think there's a a best practice way of formulating answers in a in a pitch how do you how do you make sure you put them across in the best way listen think speak shut up <laughs> quite simply it's as simple as that but it really is about listening carefully to what you're being asked mm -hmm. thinking before you speak so that it comes across that you are considering the best way to answer the question mm -hmm. when you do speak it's about being message driven answering the question mm -hmm. rather than going off on a tangent going around the houses mm -hmm. so answering the question and maybe giving a quick example if it's relevant and if you have time, and then shutting up. I really see Q&A a bit like a game of ping pong, and I think you need to keep the ball moving. And the thing is that if you grab onto the ball and you run with it, there's a good chance that you go way off on a different line of thinking. And that can be frustrating, particularly if it's a panel situation and there is a time constraint on the Q&A. So I'm getting from that, it's about it's a lot about not wasting time on the detail during the pitch, making sure that comes in uh, in the Q&A, but uh, being as brief as possible, as concise as possible at the time. That's right. You know, if somebody asks you the time, you don't tell them how the watch is made. 
And that, for me, is a huge part of Marianne's message, from planning right through to Q&A. Know your audience, find out exactly what they need, and give it to them directly, concisely, and in a way that only you can. I hope you enjoyed the series and learned a few things to take back to the boardroom and onto the stage. Let us know what you'd like to hear next, though. Tweet any questions, requests or topic suggestions to Marianne underscore MJ on Twitter. And in the meantime, if you want to go deeper on the topic, you can check out Marianne's work over at MarianneJohnston.co.uk. For now, though, that's all from the Agile Speaker Season 1. Thanks for listening.